up, everybody? This is episode eight of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. I'm Justin Bizarro, your host, and today we have with us J.R. Tao of the Goat Beef Jerky Company. How are you doing today, Jr.? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm excellent. So tell us a little bit about your brand and how you got started. Yeah, Justin, actually, um, how I got started is kind of a, just a crazy chain of events. You know, we, um, I, my background is in uh, manufacturing for a, a company that they make oil field tools. Um, and, you know, around 2014, everything got really slow in the oil industry. And, and so when you're not out at the rig sites and things like that, uh, you're, you know, your business really gets affected. Um, so everything gets really slow and, you know, I'm in operations and I'd get to work around 5.30, 6 a.m. As soon as I walked in the door and turned the light on in my office, it was go time. Uh, and I stayed busy all day until around, you know, 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the evening. And then all of a sudden, everything slows down and stops. The phones stop ringing and I am not busy anymore. <laughs> and, and I kind of started, I guess, losing my mind and not being pleasant to be around at home. And so my, uh, my wife and son bought me a dehydrator for Christmas uh, that year um, just to give me a hobby, something to do and take my mind off of all the being slow and not having things to do and, that's that's where it was born. Um, I started playing around with recipes that you could find online, and I never really fell in love with any of them. Being a huge fan of beef jerky, um, so I just kind of started taking little pieces of recipes that I like, and came up with my first recipe that I actually fell in love with, um, which is the flavor that I have that I call original which is my original recipe. It's not, it's not traditional beef jerky by any means, um, you know? And then from there, guys I worked with at the time, they, they loved it. They asked me for it all the time. And Man, can you make a hot version? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I don't like hot, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> and so doing a little bit of research, I thought, I love my recipe so much that I'm just going to go with an ingredient that doesn't change the flavor of it. I just want to make it hot. Uh, and so after doing that, I sampled the first batch and I, it was, it, it was exactly what I wanted, a hot version of the original recipe. And I was very disappointed actually. <laughs> I, uh, it was weird to me that the, they shouldn't have tasted the same. It was a different recipe, but yet they still tasted the same. So uh, batch two, I added some different ingredients and, and now we've ended up with the hot version, which coincidentally is, uh, everyone's favorite now. Yeah. Um, in my household as well with the samples you sent us, everyone's, uh, eating up the hot one, which is good. Cause I like the original better. So I'm, I have it all to myself. Yeah. I I'm the same. I mean, I appreciate the hot. I actually love the flavor of the hot. I just don't, I can't tolerate the the hot as much. <laughs> so <laughs> it works out well, but I, I know that people that do, that do enjoy hot foods uh, tell me that our hot recipe is hands down the best thing they've ever had. Uh, the greatest of all time to be in fact. 
<laughs> to be accurate. Yeah, and so tell me how you came up with the the goat name. I know there was a basketball player in in New York back in the day. They used to call the goat because of that. Uh, who never made it professionally, but is is that where it came from, or how did you come up with the name and the logo and and all of that? Because I definitely want to talk about the the hat and the sunglasses and all of that as we get into the episode. You know the the crazy thing is that it just kind of happened. So when I would make my jerky, I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't want someone to try it and think that it was terrible or that they didn't. If they didn't like it, that's fine. I just didn't want anyone to know that I made it if they didn't like it. So when I would give out samples of my jerky, I wouldn't tell anyone that I made it. Um, you know, and, the, and they would try it and say, man, this is this is fantastic. What brand is this? And just as a joke, I would say, well, it's, it's the greatest beef jerky in the world. Just, just my, uh, exaggerating sarcastic nature. Um, after a while, that little joke kind of got old and, um, I was trying to come up with something better, but I, I pulled the same trick. I'm one of my son's friends and, uh, he goes, the greatest, oh, the greatest of all time. Huh? So it's the goat. <laughs> and so and I, at that time, I was like, what do you mean the goat? And he's like, goat, you know, greatest of all time. Uh, apparently, this is that is a, a big thing. Uh, I didn't know that at the time, but uh, it stuck. It resonated. I loved it. So uh, I thought, you know what? It is the goat. I'm going to stick with that. So, it, you know, that's where it went. And I, uh, when people would ask what brand it is, I said, it's the goat, man. Don't you, can't you tell? You should have known that when you put it in your mouth. <laughs> it's the, the greatest of all time. And uh, so, you know, that stuck. And, and at that time, it was still just a hobby. It was still just something I was doing for fun, to, you know, to pass the time. And uh, it wasn't until I started thinking seriously about turning it into a business that the logo came in, came into play. Um, my first logo was actually just a silhouette of a full goat body, like the side view of a goat, just black and white, plain and simple. And, um, I would put that, put that on a label and put it on the bags of the beef jerky I would give away to people. And, you know, people started asking me, is this goat meat? <laughs> no, it's the goat the goat brand. What are you talking about? So I, I realized at that point that that logo was not going to work. <laughs> so, uh, I can't recall exactly what drifted me towards just using like a goat head. You know, it may have just been one of those shower thoughts, if you will. Um, so that's what I was set on. Okay. My new logo is just kind of going to be a goat a cartoon goat head just kind of staring off into awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and when I'm describing this to my friend that's a graphic designer, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll see what I can come up with. And I said, he needs a facial expression. And he's like, all right, I'm trying to stick with you here, but give me some details. I was like, well, think about arrogant. That's what I want you to do is put an arrogant look on this goat's face and then dial it back one click until it's not arrogant. <laughs> In my mind, that is the, the greatest of all time 
just has the most uh, confident look on their face, but yet still an approachable, real human being or animal, if you will. And so he, he designed my logo, drew it up. Uh, BJ is who, what we call him. And, uh, you know, I used that for, you know, a few months. And then we had a uh, family vacation to, I believe it was Cozumel is where we ended up going. And uh, I get on the beach and realize I leave my I left my sunglasses in Oklahoma, and so we did one of those beach shops just looking for something to keep the sun out of my eyes. And they had those risky business Blues Brothers style sunglasses in there. They were flat black. They were they and they were great. They were like I think they were originally twenty bucks, but the guy says, "Man, I'll make you a deal." I, said, yeah, I, I love like those. <laughs> so I ended up getting those sunglasses for, I don't know, it was very cheap, 10 or $15. And uh, they were my favorite sunglasses. I have, you know, I've got all the major brand sunglasses. And when I got back to Oklahoma, I, I just didn't wear them anymore. I wore those those cheap shades that I bought on the beach. They were, they were super comfortable, favorite, you know, and uh, then I broke them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I got to find out who makes these and buy some more. And just somehow searching for those sunglasses in bulk, I was I was going. My intention was to buy a case or several cases of them so that I would never run out of them again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big of a fan. Always you know? prepared. Yeah. And you know, at that something came. It just occurred to me. I was like, man, I need to put these on. I, I love my logo. I love these sunglasses. I'm going to have him redraw this logo, redesign, excuse me, redesign this logo with him wearing these sunglasses. And <laughs> that's what happened. It, it, that's how it. It was just a chain of events. I nothing. There was no mastermind behind it. I just kind of adapted as I went along, and. Um, you know, change things that that fit my uh, crazy dream, I guess. If you would yeah, that. exactly. That's usually how it's done. It's pivoting just on a on a whim or a gut feeling or or for fun and seeing what happens. A lot of trial and error for sure. Yep, that's that's exactly right. That's how it happened. And so, um, well, well a couple things while we're talking about the logo, uh, could you tell everyone on the that's listening to the show how they can get your product and and what your social media is so they can see your products and the logo as well yeah sure we we uh for any anyone in the metro oklahoma area you can buy it in our store uh on i-40 and meridian and then um our website is the goat beef jerky co.com and then our social media is Facebook and uh, Instagram, they're they're just the same at thegoatbeefjerkyco.com. Uh, Instagram actually, they would allow us to put the periods in there, which is very important. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sure people always are like, "Is it goat meat?" That I mean, was one of the first things when I saw you guys on social media. I was like, "Is it goat meat?" And then I saw, no, it's goat beef jerky. So, are there any intentions to ever use goat meat? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. There, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have that little niche of exotic meats shored up. Um, for me, goat, it's not, um, about the animal per se. It's more along the lines of the persona of the, 
greatest of all time. Yeah, I, I love it. I love that persona for sure. I was just curious if had it ever crossed your mind. No, and I, I'll tell you, I get a lot of people, as you would imagine, that ask, "Is hey, is this is this goat meat?" No, no, it's it's the it's the beef, but it's the greatest of all time. And uh, they're like, "Greatest of all time." I was like, "Yeah, don't you see the periods?" Oh, you know, they get really excited. They learn something new. And I had someone actually ask me, aren't you concerned that people will think it's goat meat that doesn't know what the goat really is? I said, I'm not concerned. I'm excited for it. <laughs> you wouldn't believe people that don't know what the goat is. They they love it when they learn something new. So it, it's almost a, I don't know if it's the correct term, but a double entendre as far as that's concerned. People come in. People come in because they're interested, like, is this really goat meat? Or they know that what the goat stands for, and they come in and want to find out what it's about. So I don't, I, there hasn't been any negative uh, feedback regarding the name. It's either surprise or surprise they learned something new or just it lived up to its name. <laughs> yeah, it um, it really, I, I love the name, and it reminds me, I think it's an HBO film. It was called The Goat, or Earl the Goat Manigot, and I don't remember if the movie was actually called The Goat, but it's about, he, he's the supposedly the greatest basketball player that ever lived, and he was in the streets of New York playing. And Don Cheadle's the actor, so it uh it really hit home i knew exactly you know greatest of all time and where the the term came from at least for me that going back to him and and what it represents and i think it's an amazing name for sure and i really enjoyed the product um tell me a little bit about how you then got started from handing it out in labels and where you took it mainstream. I mean, you have beautiful packaging, you have a great marketing, the hat that you sent us and, and the sunglasses, we'll be shooting that out to everyone uh, as we approach the episode as a teaser when it releases. But so how did, how did you take the next steps and has it become a full-time job for you or is it something you're still working your other job in oil? No, I, uh, I absolutely, I went all in. I, I put everything that I have into this. Um, so to, to back up, it was it was still, you know, every you know when you've had my beef jerky. So when I was making it, everyone, you know, they tell you, man, you've got to sell this. You've got to you've got to make this available to everybody. No one ever really. People say things that are easy to say without giving it much thought. But and I'm an overthinker, <laughs> so you, you know you hear, man, this is this is fantastic. You need to sell this, and I think, yeah, I'd love to sell it, but there's so much that goes into that. It's it's one thing to have a great tasting product; it's another to get the rest of the world on board with you. And I it, I never really put enough stock in those statements. I just kept doing it as a hobby for for a few years, I guess. Um, and then I actually, I upgraded from my Ziploc baggies to, uh, some professional, uh, uh, foil lined colored bags and put, put printed labels and put them on. And, and I was so proud of those bags. Um, and I even got the, the heat sealer thing that the seals the bag, melts the two seams together. So it looked, 
it looked very professional with the exception of not having any nutritional information on the label. Um, so anyway, I had a, I, I'm proud of the bags. Um, sent some to a friend of mine that had moved out of town um, just to see what he thought, you know. And uh, anyway, he gets the package I sent him, and he's like, this is – he sends me a text. He said, man, I got your package. Thank you so much for this beef jerky. It's amazing. You know, kind of just same banter back and forth of where'd you get it and, you know, not to coming out right and telling him. And uh, anyway, I finally spilled the beans, if you will, and, and – He's like, you're kidding me. You made this. You absolutely have to find out how you can sell this because you're going to sell it. It is the best tasting beef jerky I've ever had. And the, your texture is amazing. That it's, it's so tender, but it's still dry like beef jerky should be. And that kind of piqued my my interest a little more. He was so enthusiastic about it, and and he's a pretty accomplished guy himself, you know. Hey man, he you know he's done well for himself. He he's got to know what he's talking about. Yeah, I find that a lot of beef jerky is so dry; it's almost hard to chew. And um, and when you get it, you know, by the time you get it or or whatever, for me, I think you have a perfect balance between that moisture and that that dehydrated thing that's necessary for, for beef jerky. And I mean, I ate a whole bag in a sitting the first time I was like, Oh my God, like what is going on? And, um, and you know, I, I tended to eat a lot. I just, I work out a lot and eat a lot and we're always on the go. So I have a pretty high metabolism, but I literally cranked out a couple bags of it in a sitting. And, um, and it's not I, beef jerky. Usually, you get the the almost leftover flavor, and it stays in your mouth, and it almost like you need to drink water. But it wasn't anything like that, and it really, you know, it really blew me away. I I I can tell you that it is a great product for sure. Um, so from there, how did you decide whether you know? you were going to move forward and was the online store first or did you go to trade shows or, and you said you mentioned a store. So how did you get to the store? Yeah. So, uh, taking, uh, my good friend's comments about my beef jerky to heart, uh, battled with that for a while. And then finally just thought, you know what? I, I can't do this. It's not possible. I've got too much at risk. Yeah, I'm not making a lot of money right now, but I work for an amazing company. Um, I, it's just too risky. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I kid you not, later, late that I don't know if it was a day or a week or whatever, but someone else had tried my jerky, and they're like, "Why do you not sell this?" And that's when there's too much, there's too much at risk for me personally, and there's too much that can go wrong. I mean, there. I, I don't know this industry. I don't know retail or any of that stuff. There's just too much that bad that can happen. And <laughs> that guy said to me, he goes, but what if it didn't? <laughs> I kid you. That's exactly what he said to me. He goes, what if all these bad things didn't happen? What if people just liked your jerky and bought a bunch of it? And so now I'm thinking about that, right? And I'm back in my office working away, and you get a lot of emails where people have, quotes and things on their email signature and 
one of the quotes that I got said, "If if you risk if you risk nothing, you risk even more." I'm paraphrasing, but yep. that was a sucker punch. Like, <laughs> man, I'm giving up before I even give it a try. What if it does work out? <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I thought I'm going for it. I, it's going to be devastating. I hope <laughs> to the company I currently work for, but I'm, I'm going to quit and I'm going to put everything I have into this wholeheartedly. I, I can't have any distractions. It was sink or swim, you know. There was there was no other alternative for me. I'm a, I'm an all in kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am as well. I think it's a a great thing because it's true. Um, Deborah and I always talk about it. You're always failing if you never try to try it ever. It's always a failure because you've never tried it, so you can't even begin to contemplate success. And the other thing is, is it, the answer is always no if you never ask. So yeah. Those two things right there are, are hugely important, I think. Um, so what were your steps then to get into it from there? So now you've decided to move forward and you're like, I, I'm all in. Uh, how did you go about your your next parts of the process to, to start your own business? Yeah, so at that point, um, I, had, I had no plans. I just had... Um, I, I, I had spoken with the, the owners of the company and, um, you know, I said, how much time do you guys need? And we kind of went from there. Did that stop? Okay. Sorry about that. It's okay. Anyway. Um, so they, you know, they weren't too pleased with my decision to leave and they're like, what are you going to do? How are, how are you going to make this work? And I was like, you know, I don't know, but I, I know that I'm, gonna do everything I can to figure it out <laughs> and you know my last day of work came up and and I I left and just in that time I, I guess I, I I was doing as much research as I could on how to what the next steps were um, my original plan was to always manufacture the jerky myself because I'd never had beef jerky that had the same texture as mine I mean, anybody can come up with a great tasting recipe. Um, I think mine is better than most, but <laughs> the texture is what, what really made my jerky stand out. Um, so turning that over and having someone else make it just seemed like an unreasonable thing to do. So last day of work, now I'm like, all right, we're going to go find a building and we're going to put in a kitchen and do all of this and then reality sets in. I did not think this through well enough. Um, it takes, uh, it would have taken a, a couple of million dollars to build a manufacturing facility to that caliber. Uh, and then, you know, the, the legalities, like they go along with it. Um, you know, you, you have to have the USDA on site in order to commercially produce a product for, for the masses. And that ah, no big deal. Well, they get to have their own office on your campus. Uh, they also get their own restroom and a forty-hour week salary. And then if you, you know, need to fill orders, then they and you have to work on the weekends. You get to pay them overtime. <laughs> well, I don't have a couple million bucks laying around. I certainly don't have a forty-hour a week salary for myself, much less the USDA. And who knows what they charge? <laughs> 
So now, now I'm back to square one. What am I going to do? Um, so I start researching, you know, uh, I guess the term is private label or co-packer, um, trying to find a company that, that specializes in making beef jerky and to see, you know, if they could adapt what they do to how I make my beef jerky. And that was probably the biggest challenge that I came across. Uh, most most of the private label companies that I, I spoke with, they do um, smokehouse. If you they don't dehydrate their beef, um, they didn't have the other equipment needed to to get the texture that I use. And so you know I'm talking to private label company number forty five or so. <laughs> And they all, they, it's always been the same thing. No, we only use smokehouse. And no, we don't have that equipment. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I left my job. I'm not going to go back and beg them for my job. I don't know how I'm going to get this produced. And uh, yeah, the, the greatest of all time cannot go back begging for a job. That, that wouldn't work out so well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think I was searching for something unrelated to finding a private label company. And I honestly stumbled upon a company that was not in any of the databases that I had been researching that make, you know, that co-pack someone else's beef jerky. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give them a call. <laughs> and it turns out they don't do smokehouse. They have a state-of-the-art facility that actually uses similar equipment and processes to how I made my beef jerky. And uh, I thought, oh, this is amazing. This is a, this is a blessing. Um, I said, what, how do we move forward? I did. That's it. That's, I just, they had the ability to make my jerky like I do. And I dove in head first with them. I didn't, I didn't have any questions. I didn't look back. I just said, let's go. What do you need for me? I need you to start making some of my jerky now. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I think less than a month later, they've got a sample of my jerky ready, ready for me to sample. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I think that's important. I want to make a point of that is a lot of people would have given up at that point. I, I don't think a lot of people would have pushed through something like that. And in my own experience in the food world and, and, and having people come to us um, to produce items for them, a lot of people, if they can't, get what they want, they often give up and don't keep searching. And I think that's important. It's There's something out there or someone that can help you. You just got to have the fortitude to keep going and the perseverance. And I'm glad to hear that as part of your story because it's a huge lesson there, I think, for the audience and for for myself, a reminder that it always doesn't go the way you want it. And it often takes a lot of work and there's no overnight successes for sure. Um, no, so absolutely not. So from there, once you found the uh, co-package, co-packer, how did you um, then decide to, to, what were the next steps? Did you launch an online store or, or go to uh, markets? Uh, how did you then begin so to build your brand? It, it, it all kind of, uh, just like the rest of the story, it was, I need priority number one, find someone that can make my jerky the way I make it. Um, okay, we shored that up. That's in process. Uh, that's you know we've got we've got that 
worked out. Now I need a warehouse and we need a, um, a means of selling it. So my original plan was let's just sell it online because you know, you've got the most profit margin there. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, after searching, Oh, and I, and I'm not a tech technical, I, I don't know much about websites. Uh, I know how to search for a website address, <laughs> but, uh, as far as knowing, knowing what, um, uh, which company to use to build a website for me. It was, it was just another thing. I found a looking online, saw a company that I liked their logo. It was a giant hand, <laughs> like a high five. Uh, and that's the name of their company uh, with high five. Well, I was like, you know what? That'll work. I like their logo. I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so step two. Now we've got a website. It's in the works. It takes a few weeks to build. It'll be finished about the time, um, you know, right around the time that, that our jerky will be finished and ready to ship. So um, next step was we need a warehouse to keep this in. And, man, that was that was honestly almost as painful as trying to find a company or a co-packer that can make my jerky for me. Everything I looked at was either just insane on, on the rate or not in a good location. I've come into work one day and then we don't have any beef jerky because someone helped themselves to all of it. (laughs) And anyway, I called on a building and the leasing agent was supposed to meet me there to show, show, it to me and I show up and um, I'm waiting and waiting and it's well past the time he was supposed to meet me there and so I just call like hey what uh, you know I don't want to bother you but I'm here and you're not and we're past the the, the time that we were supposed to meet and he said well I was actually going to call you, you and tell you the same thing <laughs> so he was at a completely different location than I was apparently this, this real estate company had uh, two different buildings on opposite ends of the same street, you know, several, several miles apart. And and he said, well, unfortunately the building you're sitting at already has a contract on it. So uh, he, he asked at that point, he's like, you know, what are you looking for? And, you know, I kind of gave him the details and he said, let me, let me do some searching and I'll call you tomorrow. And, and, that's that's how I ended up where I'm at. He the first one he showed me, I fell in love with it. Um, it's right against uh, one of the main highways in Oklahoma City, I-40, and there's probably millions of cars that drive past this building every day. And I thought, golly, that's that's what I need right there. I said, let's do it. <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> that's kind of and how we ended up with this warehouse, and it and it has a big like office area up front, which I thought, you know what? We have an office area. I might as well put some shelves up and sell beef jerky to anybody that walks in and decides they want to buy it. So again, it's every, I don't want to say it's all been happenstance, but I just kind of, I went with it. I knew what I wanted to do and that's sell my beef jerky to everyone that likes beef jerky, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. 
Um, so now we're we're currently we do wholesale. Uh, we have a retail store, and uh, we also sell it online. So from from that point, uh, what year was that when you when you opened your warehouse and and did the store? That was um, I moved into the building I'm at um, October first of two thousand eighteen, and I have been working day and night or was working day and night from the day I moved in until the store opened, which was December 3rd of 2018. <laughs> so you're, so you're, you're open two months now. Yes, that's, yep, open two months. And so from idea, when was the first time you got the dehydrator to when you've launched your business? What year so was it? Was, it? Yeah, um, it was December of 2014 is when I got the dehydrator. And then, you know, a couple of years of test and tune and making samples and all that. And then uh, May, May of 2018 is when I decided and, and talked to my current employer and let them know that this was something I wanted to do. I've, I've always wanted to do my own thing. Um, and I had a product that I knew everyone would love. Yes, I... I I, I want to quick touch upon a few things. One is um, that finding a co-packer, co-packer that actually meets your, you know, your product quality that you want, that meets the standards that you need. I think that's hugely important because otherwise you lose what everyone loves about your product when people love it. The second part is is the real estate part, which we haven't talked about much on this show so far in the episodes, but. I think it's important because a lot of people, particularly in states that now have marijuana uh, in them, um, they have trouble finding warehouse space. And I think patience and time and just waiting for the right fit to come is a huge lesson there because you found one and then now you have a store. And so how have things, since you've moved in 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 December and got everything up and running – how have things gone since then over the last two months? Uh, working day and night, you mentioned, but which a lot of people aren't willing to do and don't realize they have to do as an entrepreneur. But yeah. how, how has that affected you and, and you know, failure successes? And I'll ask some more questions about how your family's dealing with all of it. But how has how it, it gone? How do you have employees, you know, et cetera? Yeah, so... Um... Every day, every day presents a, a whole new set of challenges, um, and uh, there's never been a better way to define um, building a new company from the ground up, and more importantly, launching a new brand. Uh, and then Mike Tyson, he said it best: "Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth." <laughs> and I'll tell you, I had a whole. I had a whole different vision of the way this thing was going to go than, than the way it has gone. Um, but you just have to be flexible. You can't, you can't let the little things set you back. You have to expect them. You know, I mean, you can't, uh, I don't recall where I heard the quote, but someone told me one day they were doing better than they deserve. And I thought that, that sounds, uh, that sounds odd. And, the more you think about it, it's it's really true for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you could always be doing better or doing worse than you are. And so when you fixate on 
the problems that you are inevitably going to come across, you're never going to move forward. And and everybody that works with me or that I come across and, you know, issues come up, it's okay, we'll address them. And, and, but it's ice, <clears throat> pardon me, it's ice forward. We, you have to keep your focus moving forward. Um, <laughs> some of the failures, I'll tell you, um, being a one man show, you know, my wife still, um, she still has her day job that she, she's always had. She certainly couldn't risk both of us quitting our jobs to, to dive into this. Um, so me by myself, I may, I can't count the mistakes I made because you're just, you have so much to do. And on top of that, everything you didn't know you have to do is a new surprise. And so I think, uh, to save you the time of describing all of them, I'll tell you the biggest mistake I made, the most expensive, um, after after we signed the lease on the building and I have my logo and I'm like, I got to get a sign. I'm right on I-40. Millions of cars drive past here every day. I'm getting the biggest, baddest sign that'll blow everybody's mind. That's important. I meet with a sign company and they design it for me. And then, you know, part of the lease agreement, I had to um, get the landlord's approval before I put up a sign. So I... I send them uh, the rendering of my sign, kind of mocked up on the face of the building. He, uh, they said, when the landlord loves your sign, but it's too high. It needs to be lower down on the building where the existing sign is. So I, oh, geez, I want it at the top of the building, but whatever, no big deal. So I forward the email on to my sign company and tell them, you know, they, they read the comments, and I, but I added to that. I said, hey, since they want the sign lower, Make it as big as you can. Um, they just the one of the main uh, factors of the sign is that it they don't want people drilling through the, the stone face of the building. It it causes damage, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so they great sounds good. Here's your new price. They send me an attachment. Uh, I'm in the middle of the thousands of other things that I'm doing, trying to get prepared to open this business. I didn't open it. I just forwarded it on. Everybody's happy and we're ready to go. <laughs> this, then uh, I can't recall what day the sign got, the, the sign was put up. It was before December 3rd, which is the day I opened. Um, any, I'm sorry, I'm losing focus here. Sign com the sign company comes out to put up the sign, and holy cow, this thing is huge. <laughs> it's, it's massive, but it's beautiful. I think I may have actually cried a little that <laughs> evening. After. I, I kid you not, my wife and I sat in the parking lot, sipping a glass of wine, staring at <laughs> staring at this sign. Thinking, I'm not leaving. I'm just going to sit here tonight and stare at the sign. Is this really happening? Is that really my sign? Is that our company? Somebody pinched me. How did we end up here? <laughs> and I don't know, man. It was maybe three weeks later. I get a email from the leasing agent for this complex telling me that uh, the sign that we put up was not the sign the landlord approved, and it has to come down. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that was devastating. Like that one was the biggest 
flow that I had taken thus far because the signs are, you know, six to eight, ten thousand dollars. I spent a lot of money on this sign out, and I'm so proud of it. Um, so I thought, man, you're out of your mind. I'm, I'm gonna. So I start backtracking through emails, right, to prove them wrong, and I'm gonna let them have it. <laughs> oh boy, am I gonna let them have it? <laughs> and, uh, long story short, they were right. It is not the sign the landlord approved. My sign is actually the sign that's currently on my building is six inches wider on either side than the landlord approved. So anyway. Uh, in a related story, my sign's coming down tomorrow. So anybody in Oklahoma City listening, I'm still here. <laughs> we just have to take down our current sign and have a new one made to to keep the landlord happy. Um, so it's basically a, a foot too long and a foot too wide. Is that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's foot a, too long and I have a foot too Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually experienced that similar things in in my own experience. I had a restaurant equipment store at one time, and we did signage for that, and ended up having to take signage down because it when the sign company did it, they print it so it has bleed area, and it it went over all sides on a couple of inches, and it didn't meet the spec either. So uh, that was an interesting thing and I learned a lot about bleeding on pages and signage and when you print to that size and what it means and and all that so you know anyone who's out there I think there's a lesson there because we all want to do these big signs and sit back and admire them I certainly did myself I do it all the time you know I imagine they did the same thing when they built Stonehenge or the pyramids someone sat back and was like oh we finally built it it's done yeah and uh but there's, uh, you know, I think it's a way of life sort of checking my ego, I got to say. It's like all of a sudden stuff like that happens. It's like, okay, well, get back. Time to get grounded again and, and move forward. Um, that's tough. I'm sorry to hear that for sure. And um, gosh, that's uh, – so do you, ha- do you then have to just use the sign that was approved? And is that what you're going to reprint? And is the sign that you put up reusable or is it – is it totally gone? Uh, well, it'll be reusable at a different location. It's it's quite a massive uh, LED. It's very bright lit sign. Um, it's so it's not reusable in in regards to taking pieces of it and um, making a new sign. I, I don't want to do that. I don't think I could do that. I couldn't cannibalize it. I'm too I'm too fond of it. Uh, <laughs> I eventually, you know, hope that we grow this business and well enough that we can build our own facility instead of leasing one. And and at that point, we'll just place this, the current sign on that building. Um, as far as replacing the sign, I just kind of, I ordered a vinyl banner. It's not lit or anything. It'll just kind of hang on the face of the building for now. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 was definitely painful. Um, so if uh, if there's any advice out there to be given as far as this is concerned for anyone starting something new, it's nothing is uh, too important to not open and read thoroughly. <laughs> Spend the time now and save the money later because that's going to be a very expense, uh, big expense to the company. Uh, whenever we do replace the lighted sign with another lighted sign so um 
even though the signs coming down, has it actually attracted people to the store? And ha- did you find any success in that so far? Or okay. are you concerned about it not attracting people if it's not lit up? Yes, on all accounts. We get so many people coming in um, that are on the highway headed out of town. And they are like, we're running late. Um, but we saw your sign from the highway. We had to come and see what this was. Your logo is amazing. <laughs> so it's pretty pretty devastating. Honest, not devastating. That's a terrible term. It it's not the best situation, but you know we've got another sign going up, so it won't be the worst scenario, but. Yeah, we, we got a lot of business from that sign, just people seeing it and would pull off the highway just to come and see what we were about. And, um, you know, I'm moving forward, hopefully the new lit sign will do just the same. But it, it'll be a while, so we'll definitely lose, you know, the hundreds of people that came in because of that sign. The future hundreds certainly won't be coming in until we, we replace the sign. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard thing. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's like you attract people. You've become, you've created the flower to attract the bees, for lack of a better term, and then it kind of gets pulled away, and there's probably a little bit of fear of what happens when the sign goes down, um, like anything else, but moving forward is always important. Yeah, that that's it. You you're You're going to run into issues every single day. You have to just accept it and move forward <laughs> let me back up accept it learn from it and move forward otherwise you know that only, only the strong survive in all honesty i mean uh, we, we do live in a in in a place where we you know take care of those that can't take care of themselves on a just in a social level but as far as business operating and, and things like that are concerned. If you don't have a <laughs> concrete jaw, you, you you might be in the wrong, uh, making the wrong decision to go into business for yourself. This is, nothing goes right, right ever. <laughs> yeah. You need to, you need to have hard skin and a, a, a Twinkie filling inside. It's yep. uh it's soft enough to, to see, and learn and be compassionate, but also hard enough skin where every little thing doesn't, doesn't affect you negatively and you actually learn from it. I think is a, it's huge for, for Mm -hmm. anyone out there. Um, you mentioned your wife working during the day. Does she help you then work at night and, and help with the business in other ways? And how has that affected your relationship? Oh yeah, absolutely. She does. Um, we're fortunate, uh, the, the building we leased uh, is very close to the, the company my wife works for. So she actually comes up here uh, at lunchtime to help out to see me and eat lunch, I think is the most important reason. But also, uh, you know, after we eat lunch, she does anything she can to help us out, help me out. And uh, after work, she stops in, she helps me restock the shelves from uh, items that were sold throughout the day. And, uh, you know, just anything like that. And she, I, in all honesty, she can't wait until Saturday and not for the same reason that everyone else can't wait for Saturday. She can't wait 
until Saturday because she comes to work uh, for the goat on Saturdays. <laughs> and I don't pay her, but she still gets to be here and interact and, you know, be a part of it. Um, and that that's really something that we're hoping for is to grow it, grow the, the business well enough that, that that's her permanent place of employment. Um, so to highlight on how it's affected, it, it's tough. That of everything that I've gone through, um, building this company from this from scratch from the ground up, um, the family interaction is the toughest part. Um, you can't describe to people what you go through. Um, it's. <laughs> I can tell you about getting punched in the face every day, (laughs) (laughs) but describing that to somebody that they want to hear that you've had success in everything that you do because they're part of you. That's a tough one. And then, um, Yeah, it's not easy for sure. I think, uh, it takes a toll, uh, sometimes on our relationships here and there and, having that support for sure and and our significant others be compassionate and driven to to do something with us uh that takes a lot i you know i give props not only to the entrepreneurs but the people that support them because it's not easy and uh, i know for myself i have my great days i have my bad days um and there's days that you just need to you know get through it and some days i'm more talkative than others and and or i'm worse um dealing with a problem and I don't talk much. So it's, it's hard. And, and I want to give everyone props who, who supports everyone like us because it's not easy and we're always pivoting and changing and coming up with ideas on how to be better. And it does distract us a lot from, from our lives at home. But, you know, I think when we do it with someone, when someone's willing to do it with us, uh, that makes it so much more worthwhile for everyone. And when they feel they have ownership in it as well, that really helps as well. I've heard some stories so far about family members and children's and wives and husbands getting involved in the business or parents. And um, there is a bond there. And I myself grew up in a family and on a farm. So we ran a, a horse farm, one. And then two, my dad got into being a food entrepreneur later in my life and while I was in high school as he spun off. And I learned a lot about business and stuff like that from them. And it gave us a lot of time together and our family dynamic definitely changed. It just, your time together becomes different. You, you almost work to get things done and you have success because you want to spend time together, even though you actually, you start to realize you are spending time together doing that as well. And Hardship really is the stories. I mean, I I can think back and all my great stories as a kid were not when things were all great. I those I don't even you know remember a lot. I know they were good and great, but other than that, it's the memories that we had hardship or you know a foal was born in the middle of the night and it's not doing well and the vet's there and everyone's rallying around or the family business and we need to rally around and and get hay out to the fields because it's the middle of a snowstorm or in the food business we have a hurricane hit new york city and we got to get food to all the hospitals in the middle of the the 
uh, hurricane and the, all of New York City's flooding, all of those things. I mean, I will remember those for the rest of my life for sure. Um, so yeah. um, not to go off on a tangent, but I just wanted to emphasize that it takes not only the entrepreneur, but it takes a support system and a family and significant others that are really willing to get into the trenches with them, you know, and be, you know, for lack of a better term, a band of brothers or band of sisters or band of family and really go at it. Because I think there's a lot of success there when everyone's in. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, you, you, you absolutely have to have a good support group to be successful in this. Um, and we're, you know, like I said, we're still new. We're we're newborns as far as um, a business owners, brand, a company, <laughs> all all across the board. So you know, we're still learning and growing day to day. There's there's never a a new day that doesn't bring a new set of challenges. Um, right now, it's it's about the time of the year that uh, baseball season is starting to pick up. Uh, my son. Uh, he's 14. Uh, shout out to Mr. LT. That's what everybody calls him, LT. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, Logan, Logan's a pretty pretty talented baseball player. So um, right now we're trying to work out the uh, scheduling of getting him to hitting practice and uh, different, you know, arm conditioning things and <laughs> – don't know how we're going to get it all worked out, but you know, it's, it's just another thing that has to be done. So it, overcome and adapt really. It, that's, that's what you have to do. Um, Cause it, in the end, it's kind of, we're building this uh, all together for, for him really. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's amazing what we can do as humans when we really, you know, put our minds to it. We can run businesses. We can, take care of our homes. We can take care of our children. And when we really push ourselves, it's pretty amazing what we can do. So I give you and your wife huge props for sure, because it's not easy. And, um, you know, and then sports and all that, and making sure that your son's still a priority, you know, people get lost sometimes and it gets difficult, but that's a, a big thing, even just recognizing it. Oh, and it's easy to do. It's easy to get lost in it. Um, there's, there's plenty of day and I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you that I've got it all figured out. There's plenty of days that, uh, you know, six o'clock in the evening rolls around and I'm, I'm getting phone calls. Hey, where are you at? <laughs> uh, whoops. <laughs> you know, uh, sorry. I got totally forgot to be honest with you. So it, it's, it's difficult to say the least to keep home life and work life all coordinated and uh, on the all in calendar calendar, if you will. But man, who, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it's anything that easy, that was easy probably isn't worth having. Right. Yeah. And it's all progress, not perfection. Just keep moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I keep telling myself anyway. (laughs) if it's easy to come by, it's probably not worth having, and you're probably not going to value it the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's um, that's awesome, nonetheless. That 
you you see it and you have that relationship and I think the honesty part is a huge part not making excuses I think I've met a lot of people or in my food life that um that tend to make excuses and that just makes things worse and then disconnected and when people aren't honest and if you forgot just say I forgot or if you got something going on say you have something going on I know I grew up my father was very busy all the time but he was very honest with me so I always knew where I stood or what was going on and they still made sure I made it to all my soccer games and practices even when I played on three different teams because it was a dream of mine to play soccer and so and so I think you know there's a lesson there for sure and you touched upon it about the honesty part is being honest to to everyone is just it makes things much easier and you don't have to worry about the stress of the dishonesty that I've seen so many people carry in their business or you know, I'll be home in five minutes, they tell her wife, or 10 minutes, and it's really two hours. I mean, you're not doing it yourself any good. You're just adding more stress. And I, and I think that just, hey, I'm busy, and I don't have time right now. And, you know, it's some of it's setting a boundary, I guess, in some ways. In other ways, it's just communicating what you're really going to do versus trying to sugarcoat something for someone else. And as business people you know, entrepreneurs are not entrepreneurs. I think that's important that we're just honest with the people around us and, and about what we can accomplish and can accomplish in a day. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And and that just kind of, I don't want it to sound like a pat on the back or anything, but that's just how I live my life. I, I try to be upfront and honest with everybody. Um, I treat everyone with more respect than most people would think that person deserves because uh, they're human beings. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I guess the golden rule, if you will, to be cliche, but I, I, I don't know any other way. And I, I think that sometimes I might be a little too honest. <laughs> I tell, <laughs> and not in a negative way, like, yeah, oh, that's an ugly shirt. But I mean, I, I <laughs> you know, we have people ask for, you know, different things uh at the store and just you know it's really not in our cards right now i dumped everything i have into this business there's no way that i can do that for you or bring this product on or you know whatever the the questions may be i think most people would tell you most business not most a lot of business owners or entrepreneurs would say you're a fool tell them yes and figure out how that but figure out how is a great tool, but not when it comes to honesty in that regard, because you have to be realistic as to whether you can accomplish that goal task or, you know, whatever the request may be. So uh, honesty, it, 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 you nailed it. That's it's a it's best and it makes things easier. <laughs> No, and I, I agree with that. I've had people in our own company. When you overpromise and under deliver, you're not doing yourself any favors. And you, if you promise you can do something in a timeline or or some that you can't do, or promise something that you're never going to do just to try to keep the customer around, that you're not doing yourself any favor, and you're not getting a customer long term. You know, it's very yeah. short sighted. I think for a lot of people, and while you may temporarily disappoint a customer or a potential client, they're going to respect you more for the honesty. Yeah, I agree with that. I, w- I want to sell my beef jerky to everyone 
every time they want to buy beef jerky, not just once, you know, and, and they, it, it's that simple. It's be honest with people. They'll, uh, they may come back. As a matter of fact, you know, I don't even, for the most part, I can't think of a single person that has come into our store, purchased my beef jerky that, that hasn't tried it first. That's uh, I don't have any employees, so to speak, uh, other than my you know wife and family. It's pretty much me on a daily basis. But I, I make certain that anyone that comes in, we ask, "Have you been here before or had our beef jerky?" And if it, if it's no across the board, I have samples. I open them. I'll grab a bag off the shelf and open it. I want them to try it. First of all, I don't want you to spend your money on something you may not like. That's how, how terrible is that? Oh, yeah. that's great. I just bought this $12 bag of beef jerky and I hate it. <laughs> well, and then, so the, the other side of that is, or an ongoing consequence of that is if they do buy it and they don't like it, they're going to tell everybody they don't like it or that it's garbage or whatever. So if you bought my beef jerky from my store, you had it before you bought it because I don't want you to leave and dislike it and go tell everybody that you didn't like it and a bunch of reasons why you didn't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very expensive to do that. I, I think I open at least 10 bags a day for people to try, but until everyone knows about our new brand in a very, very competitive market anyway, it, it's, I feel like it's insurance. It's justifiable insurance. <laughs> giving away so many samples for people to try. No, I I think that's amazing that you do that for sure because I can tell you if someone pays for something and doesn't like it, that there's a a different connotation that comes with that versus giving it to them for free. And if they don't like it, okay, I don't like it, I'm not going to buy it, and giving them the choice. Um, sure. I know when we go to a restaurant and um, – two stepdaughters and, uh, or we're on vacation. One of the things, and we always, we mess this up quite a bit is the rule of one. If something looks good on the menu, three of us shouldn't order it because in case it is bad, then three of us have one bad meal. We're all going to go after the person that has the good meal to pick off their plate. So, um, Deborah does a great job. <laughs> yeah, try it first. Uh, get samples first. Whatever you can do, I, and that's for anything. Labels, packaging, you know, rule of one first. I think is a is an amazing rule for sure. Yeah, and and, uh, and again, it, that that falls right into uh, taking the time to evaluate products, items, and decisions that that could you know have consequence in bulk. <laughs> they have. Because that's, you know, that fortunately our, our co-packer made um, three rounds of test samples for us because it what the texture they nailed first time and I that was, I, I that was unbelievable that, that they could do that. Now, now as far as the flavor of my beef jerky, the um, there was a different brand of ingredient they used versus the one I used, so we had to modify that that recipe um tw three times the third batch they sent me they nailed it so you know if you just say here's my recipe send me ten thousand pounds of my beef jerky all bagged up and ready to go <laughs> that, that that is uh 
probably some of the worst scenario I could think of. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's one of the things in, in our business we have to do quite a bit is tons of menu testing and testing of items because if the customer doesn't like it, you know, they're going to be unhappy with me or with the business if I sent them a pallet of product that they didn't end up liking. And, and so people get very, anyone in the audience, I know a lot of people are like, okay, here's my recipe. How soon can you get me a pallet of product? And I've got to fulfill an order. Well, hold on. My process is going to be different than your process. And I have to produce it on mass scale. And so there's variance. So we need to test this product and it needs to meet your specs and your quality before I ever produce more than one. Because at that point, you, we're all wasting product and time, and you're not going to be happy, and I'm not going to be happy. So how do we make sure it's a partnership and, uh, and move forward? So I'm glad you said that for sure. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And to, to, to highlight that, that's, that was one of the biggest um, – how, how do I say this? I was doing research trying to find a co-packer. Everything you read online is – is that, hey, don't get very excited about having a private your product private labeled for you because they will not make it the way you make it. And it's not because it's mass-producing the ingredients purchased. They're, they're on a different level than what you get in your grocery store. So, so you know, fortunately, my recipe include I purchased the ingredients for my recipe at a, uh, a larger uh, I guess a bulk store, a chef's store. So that it was commercial ingredients, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, rather than going to your local grocery store to purchase the ingredients. So, yeah, that's that, a huge that, lesson right there. Uh, continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that, that was the end of it. I just, uh, yeah, I think you hit on something, and I didn't actually even think about that until you said it, but anyone out there trying to do a food product, buying the stuff in the grocery store and then trying to apply it to a mass production and scale, I mean, I I definitely know it's you're never going to get it the same because it is a different quality, but going around to a place that actually mass produces food uh, for distribution to um, restaurants and things like that, I think that's a that's an important key that I want to make sure is a takeaway from this episode because it is something and people and you go out and sample this product and people love it. And guess what? I can't get the same cut of meat that you get at the grocery store on that scale for the price that we need to produce it for, for you to sell it into a grocery store or wholesale or whatever. Um, yeah. Because it is a specific cut of meat and it only goes to the high end restaurants or it only goes into the high end grocery stores. And we find a lot of that. And so I think you need to, if you have an idea out there, setting that expectation right away is, is amazing. I'm glad you touched upon that for sure. Um, so I have a, so your store, I want to, you know, quick talk about that. Do you carry other products in your store or is it only your beef jerky? Uh, everything in my store is, is of this, the goat brand. Um, but, um, so we sell our beef jerky. Uh, we have mugs and sunglasses and hats and things like that. But uh, at this point, we do not sell any other brand of products than the Goat Beef Jerky Company. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And, you know, like I said before, the, the retail store was an after. It was a byproduct of the building and location. You know, it was. it's going to take some time for this brand to take off. 
and and for the internet sales to pick up. So we've got to start making money at some point. <laughs> so we we ordered some shelving and threw threw it up, you know. Um, and I don't know how long, the, you know, the future of the company. I think for everyone is that we get into mass um, distribution. That's that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Is is finding the larger retailers that our product fits within their SKUs that, you know, it would be beneficial to both both parties that they sell my turkey, me and yeah. them. <laughs> well, I think there's two points there. One is is that it's more profitable when you sell it yourself or over the internet because you're maintaining the entire margin. But then, it, but from there, in order to grow. Um, in the food business, you have to be willing to give up some of that margin for volume and to go into the more commercial institutional markets, the grocery stores, the, you know, the convenience stores and what those chains look like. So I want to make sure, yeah. So I want to make sure that, um, that we come back around and, and we do another interview with you and, in a few months uh, to see how things are going because you are new and I think there'll be a huge experience there um, if that's something you'd be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, and I appreciate your time, JR. And on a side note, I grew up with a... I was a JR before my parents actually gave me a name and that was a Justin Ryan <laughs> uh, Bizarro. But so then as I started working and getting in more in the family businesses, everyone started calling me JB. So that kind of stuck. And then my hey. father's name is Angelo. So then everyone started calling him AB as a default. So we, we go by initials and my sister's Anjanette. So everyone calls her AJ. And uh, I just, uh, I can really relate to that and that other families do it, the LT and the JR. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of the initials. <laughs> yeah. It works <laughs> obviously and the initials in your logo being the goat which i want to emphasize the greatest of all time i think it's i i love your name i love the logo and i hope everyone in the audience looks at it so could you just tell everyone again how they can get a hold of you where you, your store is located the address and uh where your online store is and how they can get a hold of you on social media yeah definitely so uh physical location we're at uh 400 South Vermont Avenue, Suite 127 in Oklahoma City. Um, and our website is thegoatbeefjerkyco.com. Um, and then our social media is um, at thegoatbeefjerkyco.com uh, for Facebook. And then at thegoatbeefjerkyco.com for Instagram. But uh, for Instagram, they allowed us to use the periods uh, for the goat. Um, and that's, I think that's the best ways to get a hold of us. Perfect. And uh, what are your store hours and, and days of the week? So we're, we're Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 6, but I, currently I'm toying with the idea of only being Thursday through Saturday so that we can go out and, um, you know, pursue some of these larger retailers to, to, to you know, to get our brand out there. Um, so I guess officially it'll be Thursday through Saturday from 10 to 6. 
Saturday being 10 to 4. Okay, perfect. And as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you. I mean, it's made me extremely grateful to have you on the show and, and your experiences and, and the positivity for sure amongst all of it and and seeing the hard work. It's very inspiring. Uh, so I want yeah. to say thank you so much. And it's made me appreciate my own life all the more and my family and my support system and Deborah for sure in my life. And so with that being said, I um, I will send out all the information about your uh, store and your business and stuff on the episode content and everyone can find it on there as the episode release and i'm justin bizarro and i'm the host of justin and the food entrepreneurs thank you again jr you're very welcome thank you for having me on it's, it's been a pleasure awesome and uh we'll see everyone on episode nine thank you